the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, now on 106.3 FM in East Portland and Vancouver, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860, The Answer, KPAM, La Pertona 1640, 93.1 El Rey and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk with you about getting more people back to your church sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio and podcasting, building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you, marketing your message or brand directly to your target audience through the latest and most powerful online tools of Salem Surround, And most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. Every so often, we have a difficult topic on Difference Makers. So I want to give you a heads up. If you have any little ears in the car, you might want to tune in later on the podcast page at truetalk800.com because there will be some serious matter discussed this hour. Don't forget to come out and vote for your local school board. Next election is Tuesday, May 16th. Our very special guests are running for the North Clackamas School District Board. We have Tara Nelson and Angela Peterson, a couple of moms from the North Clackamas area. So welcome, Tara and Angela. How are you today, ladies? Good. Good to see you. Well, thank you so much for having us. It's totally a privilege. Thanks so much for stopping by. So I want to get a little bit of your backgrounds before we get more in-depth about why God brought you two together. So tell us where you grew up, Tara Nelson. I grew up here in Clackamas. I am from Clackamas Elementary, John McLaughlin, Clackamas High School. My family still resides here. I have a 7th and 8th grader and a foreign exchange student. So, Tara Nelson, you are a lifer for this area, aren't you? I am. My husband has joked that I have lived no farther than five miles from my childhood home. (laughs) Oh, how funny. How about you, Angela Peterson? I am from the Northeast Portland area. I was born in Northeast Portland, and my parents were raised also in Northeast Portland. We moved out to the Happy Valley area in 1978. I've been a student through the North Clackamas School District, and then I headed off to Humboldt State University, got my teaching degree, and I ended up back in my childhood school district to be a teacher. And then I was a parent volunteer when my kids were going through school, and they all, three of them, just recently graduated Oh, congratulations. So, Angela, would you like to tell us about your family? By all means, feel free to boast on them. 
Okay. I have three lovely kiddos. I've got a 22-year-old daughter who is living in Bend, Oregon. She's in the uh, Cascades OSU campus there working on a business degree. I have my 20-year-old son who's a student at Clackamas Community College getting his Associates of Science in Welding. And he's loving that. And then I have an 18-year-old who's a freshman at Grand Canyon University in Arizona. Well, congratulations. How about you, Tara Nelson? Tell us about your household. My children are 7th and 8th grade at Cascade Heights. My youngest daughter is in competitive cheer at Thunder Elite. Never thought I would become a cheer mom. Mm -hmm. Cheer dad has helped me along the way. My 8th grader is enjoying soccer and skiing. Just got into Damascus Christian High School for next year. And then I have a second-year foreign exchange student from Vietnam that's at Clackamas High School as a senior. Fantastic. So did you two ever bump into each other as you were growing up? We didn't. I'm quite a bit older than Tara, (laughs) but we both graduated from Clackamas High School. So we have that in common. And what we also have in common is our passion and dedication to the education of our students in our district And we came together with some common concerns about things happening in our schools. So what specifically has concerned you as moms of children in this area? Well, because I've had personal experiences as an employee of the school district and a parent, some of the concerning things that I saw happening were the discriminatory practices of some teachers and staff. I'm a teacher myself, and so there's so many great teachers there, but... There seems to be an attitude of some teachers and administrators that do not allow for diversity of opinion or thought. And if you step out of line with what is being taught, if you voice a different opinion or want to try to share a different perspective, I was seeing my own children and other students being shamed, humiliated, ostracized by their teachers. That has to be a tough pill to swallow, not only as an educator in the district, but even more so as a mom. How did your kids deal with that? You know, it was really tough on them. All three of them have their own separate little experiences and stories. And it's, you know, I I know that it's not uncommon. It's not just my kids that are going through this, but I felt passionately that this was unjust and that students should not be feeling shamed for just simply having a different opinion about something as simple as who you voted for, for the president of the United States, or what your opinion is on mandated COVID vaccines. These were a couple of topics in particular that caused an awful lot of issues with certain teachers and came to bear on my children. And these are hot button topics. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I believe that people in positions of any authority, but especially teachers of youth, ought to be able to facilitate healthy conversations and disagreement and debate, but in a way that's peaceable. Right. So have you experienced anything similar with your kids, Tara Nelson? I think not so much. I've seen it more from that parent's perspective. My children are a lot more timid than I am. So with that being an active lifetime volunteer prior to the school district and in the school district, it was a matter of wanting to be involved, seeing what was going on, 
And little did I know, asking these questions were beginning to put a target on myself. Simply asking questions as a concerned parent, you would think it would be the other way and that the schools would embrace parents who are going out of their way to share their concerns. Correct. With some of the items going on, whether it be with curriculum, policy, you ask and inquire, want to learn and support, but there's so many hurdles and obstacles to get those answers. It's not an easy, transparent item that's readily available. So whether you're looking on the website, the convenience of coming in to view such curriculum, knowing what homework is, there's a lot of hurdles. You would think in an email, internet-driven age, things like this ought to be easier. And granted, I'm in my mid-50s right now, but growing up, I really felt like my parents were aware of absolutely everything I did. Whereas today, it seems like parents are often left out in the dark. And I wonder, when did that switch flip so drastically and extremely? Do you have any insights on that as someone who had taught Angela? Yeah, I really noticed it probably happening uh, when my youngest was a sixth grader. I was really mortified by some of the reading material that his teacher was providing these 11 and 12-year-old students. And this is for little one's ears might be tough, but if you can imagine a sixth grader, and my son was very young for his grade, very confusing literature of reading a story about a young boy who lived in the projects And this particular story went into detail describing that this little boy on his way to school every day would walk past a park where there were prostitutes having sex with people in the park, used condoms that he would see. And it went so far as to even describe that he lived near a factory or a uh, incinerator is what it was, where it described that they burned medical waste, including aborted fetuses. This was in my sixth grade son's reading assignment. I went directly to the teacher to ask, why would you provide this kind of material to these kids? And she simply stated it was a district-adopted piece of reading material and that these kids are privileged and don't understand what other kids are going through and that they needed to know this information to develop empathy, to which I responded that they are not developmentally, their brain cannot comprehend such horrific trauma, and you're traumatizing these kids unnecessarily because there's nothing they can do about this, and it's very confusing. This is what I see happening more and more, is that they're introducing these very heavy, traumatizing topics to young children and placing the burden of these horrible things on them and the kids don't know what to do about it. And if they voice an opinion that says something that steps out of line with the agenda or the belief, they are shamed and humiliated. And the parents are too. I mean, I was looked at as if I was crazy for questioning such things. They gaslight you constantly. Well, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. Who decides what is age appropriate when it comes to materials being placed in the schools, I wonder? Well, I can tell you for sure that they are changing the definitions of words, uh, right? You wouldn't believe. So they say age appropriate all the time when they're talking about the new comprehensive sex ed programs, for example. 
They say that they're age-appropriate materials, but yet that's a very subjective definition because they claim that it is appropriate and necessary and developmentally appropriate to be discussing with kindergartners gender theory. That is an Oregon Department of Education curriculum that they are telling every public school in the state of Oregon that they must teach gender theory beginning in kindergarten, teaching kindergartners, little five-year-olds, about pronouns and that their body parts don't necessarily have to match their gender. It's very, very confusing things that they're discussing with very young children and calling it age-appropriate. That's really disturbing, Angela. So, Tara, what have you seen from raising your kids in the schools? Have you had similar experiences at all? Have you noticed things that you questioned? I think with the curriculum and the comprehension sex education, for example, this last year, our eighth grade health class was sourced out to Clackamas County Women's Center. And the school liked their program, how they go in depth with all issues when it goes in depth above that age needed. So some of the stuff, not only is it not medically proven or needed, and it does go above the brain power of these children, because some of these items, once you see it, as it continues to desensitize the children, the parents, it becomes part of the new norm. And then that's what's accepted, yet it's out of parameters of what we would like to have taught. Some of these topics I would like to have at home with one-on-one discussions. So an example would be introducing in sex ed in fourth grade, you have HIV, drug use, drug needles. But a fourth grader will... I think you have to know your kid as a parent because I know some amazingly mature teenagers and I know some horrifically immature 30-somethings. So to broad brush an entire elementary school, for instance, say, oh, you need to know this in kindergarten, mm-hmm. often against the parents' wishes. I don't think that's a healthy thing, especially when there are so many other things that the kids ought to be learning. Well, I will tell you there is a huge booklet from the Oregon Department of Education that is completely dedicated to this movement. It's almost like they're joining forces with the LGBTQ agenda with racial issues. And they are saying that discussing these things with children as young as kindergarten is necessary to develop empathy and acceptance of gender fluid identities and trans identities and all of this. That is, I think, the purpose behind wanting to introduce this so young. At least that's the arguments. I try to listen to the arguments on all sides of these issues. And this is what I'm hearing from a lot of the proponents of teaching our kids these concepts so young. Surprising, if not shocking, observations from a couple of moms in our area. So do you have any events or question and answer sessions that people can come meet you at, Tara Nelson and Angela Peterson? Yes, we would like to have people come and meet us. Four of us are running for the school district. And who are the others? And the others are Amy Reiner, and then we have Courtney Swersbin. And um, please look for them in your voters' pamphlets that should be arriving soon. We'll be at Joe's Saloon on Friday night, April 14th from 6 to 8. 
And then we will be at Ruzo's Retreat in Damascus from 4 to 8. Check out the website, Angela4NCSD.com. That's Angela, F-O-R-N-C-S-D.com, as in North Clackamas School District. Mm-hmm. And I'll make sure to link that to the Difference Makers page at TrueTalk800.com. When we return, let's hear more from Angela Peterson and Tara Nelson on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee. Don't forget to get out and vote for your local school board coming up on the third Tuesday of May. And this year, that's May 16th. Tara Nelson and Angela Peterson are concerned moms who grew up in the North Clackamas School District. And now they're trying to contribute to help build the community up. Do you have any affiliations, Tara Nelson? I'm curious. I do. Being that this is my second campaign... I was first and, again, now endorsed by Oregon Right to Life. And how about you, Angela Peterson? Who is supporting you? I would say there are several amazing individuals that I'm endorsed by, including Lori chavez Reamer, one of our state representatives, also two of our Clackamas County commissioners, Ben West and Paul Savis. I'm also endorsed by a teacher that I worked with at Mount Scott Elementary School, Mary Beerwagon and a pastor in the area who has been a Young Life youth leader since the 70s, Fred Douglas. Fred Douglas, an old friend of the station. Great guy. Yep. Angela, especially with your experience as a former teacher in the district, I would think that your observations and your words would hold more weight. Have you had any experiences like that? Has that been easier or at times harder for you? As far as how the district treats me. Mm -hmm. Because you're not simply a parent. You were one of them. Absolutely. You would think it would carry more weight. But because I stepped out of line and I disagreed with the district on some of these issues that we've been speaking about, I have a target on my back. The district administration, the school board members currently do not appreciate anything I have to say. And I am viewed really as the enemy. So I've been really vocal, and they are very frustrated with my (laughs) being so vocal. I've shown up with Tara and others in our group at almost every single school board meeting over the last two years, calling out the fact that our school board kept our schools closed longer than they had to, keeping kids online and isolated longer than they had to. Then when they brought the kids back, they kept parents out and kept the school board meetings online which is very isolating and does not engage the community at all. But I think that is the point. They don't want the engagement because those of us that are engaged are speaking against things that they are doing that is hurting kids. So how has the pandemic affected the kids that you're raising, including your exchange student in your case, Tara? Has North Clackamas been one of the areas that shut down altogether? Did they gradually go back? to online and in classroom? Was there a mix or what? There actually was a mix. Being that we were at a charter school, we went back two to three weeks prior. And coincidentally, one of the district's current school board members was a parent with a student at our school Hmm. that went back 
the two weeks early. That is so frustrating to hear a school that's in the same district went back before everyone else. Why would that be? That's certainly not equitable. (laughs) They like that word a lot. That's not equality or equitable. Yeah, it's frustrating. So Tara, educate me. Can you give us the proper definitions of charter school and magnet school, please? Magnet schools within the school district that still has bus schedule availability, the full tax credit dollar that follows the child. So they are still under the supervision of the school board. The charter school gets a certain less dollar amount of that tax dollar that follows the student. So there is a little bit of cost difference that the parents need to supplement. With that, they have their own board. Every five years, they have to reapply to the school district to get approval to stay under that umbrella of the North Clackamas School District. And then they have a little bit more freedom with other outlying rules, regulation. It's also more intimate. It is a K through 8, one class per grade. So I think that the standards, they follow a charter school testing standard within the nationwide state of Oregon standards for testing. Mm -hmm. So are there certain advantages to sending your kids to a magnet school or a charter school versus the normal public school? What's attractive? I did think so. Those parents are usually a little bit more involved because they had to go and do the research to find such the option available. There is a lottery, so you have to submit an application, usually do a tour, so there's a little bit more entailed to it. They also rely on the parent volunteer more so. The magnet school within ours, there's a couple of them. Ours happen to be Sojourner. They have added teacher assistants that their yearly fundraising goes to pay for that staff. And it's interesting because it shares a campus with a lower income school. So you have two schools within the school district that have different money dollars available, contribution, volunteer, yet you have a Title IX school Mm -hmm. sharing that same compass and one principal that has to manage both of that. So there's quite the extreme diversity that's not equitable as children are still passing each other in the hallway. How unusual. I'd be surprised that they'd put that's that a in unique, the same location. That's a really unique scenario. That's so. Is it Sojourner that you're speaking of? That shares a campus yeah. with Linwood Elementary. Okay, right, right, right. And that's not, I mean, that's not always the case, but um, that they would share that space. But this, in our district, there is that one example of that. But yes, the charters and the uh, magnet schools definitely do tend to provide a little more of an interest level more parent involvement. Parents are required to do a certain amount, a minimum amount of volunteer hours and things like that. That I think that's one of my big issues too. I was the volunteer coordinator for my students' elementary school. Parent volunteers have always been really thought of highly and they love the parent volunteers. But since the pandemic, since the school closures, because I think so many parents have discovered some things going on in the schools that they're not super thrilled about, it seems that our district in particular, and I know other districts across the nation, are not as welcoming to parent volunteers because they don't want the parents 
looking in and being nosy and trying to check out what's happening that might upset them. Yeah, in our district specifically, is very, very heavy on the mandating of the vaccines. Still, in the state of Oregon, which has had these extra long requirements for the mask and, you know, the vaccine being pushed here, thank goodness they didn't require that of our children K through 12, but our state universities did. But our public school system, the Oregon Health Authority, is still saying that the schools need to mandate that the staff and volunteers be vaccinated for the COVID vaccine, even though the COVID vaccine has now been proven to not stop the spread of the virus or any of this, and kids are not in danger of COVID or what have you, but they're keeping parents who are not vaccinated out from volunteering. And coincidentally, who are the parents that choose not to get the COVID vaccine? They usually are conservatives, and that's exactly who they don't want in the schools. So you would think that... In an era where so many teachers have been besieged by huge class sizes, that they would be more welcoming to any volunteer help coming in. But in your case, you found it to be the opposite. Yeah. And here's the thing. Here's the rub. The teachers probably would love to have those parent volunteers. I don't know if your listeners are aware that we have a huge teacher shortage Teachers are burnt out. They are dropping out of the profession at an alarming rate. And there's many reasons for that, but some of which are because they do have classrooms that are too big. Many of these kids came back from being isolated for almost two years in Oregon, and the behavior issues are really unmanageable. We have classrooms that are disrupted on a regular basis, and there's no good plan in place to hold students that are disruptive accountable. And those students are forced to remain in these classes disrupting learning. And these teachers are frustrated and parents are frustrated because their kids aren't learning as well. So you've got teachers that would love to have parent involvement, but you have the administration that is really in charge of keeping the parent volunteer numbers kind of manipulated with a certain you know, a certain group of parents are more welcomed than others. So as moms, Tara Nelson and Angela Peterson, have you noticed the kids going through difficulties because of these pandemic closures? And how are they coming out of it today? I'm curious. I think the socialization is part of it. Those who have 504 or IEPs, those are learning programs that help accommodate special needs. Those are not being paid attention to and or short-staffed. We also have the other end of the spectrum, our advanced students, TAG students. Those courses for advancement are being taken away. But yeah, and as far as the pandemic, you mean when they were isolated and not able to meet up with their classmates and go into in-person learning? So my daughter had just graduated and started her freshman year at Uh, Central Oregon Community College and was loving being independent in her dorm room. And it really threw her into a depression her freshman year of college when she was forced to come back home and to teach herself basically to do online college classes. The anxiety and depression were definitely an issue for my daughter. I think with that loss of learning as well, my son fell behind in math. So I had to go out and find my own resource of tutoring committed to a program for a year 
that was $300 a month. Not everyone can afford that or have that option. So having some of these other unnecessary extra ideology, politics, indoctrination, Mm -hmm. we're getting away from the basics, reading, writing, arithmetic, the three R's. So overall, were you satisfied because both of you grew up in this district? Were you satisfied with the educations that you received as students? And what in your dreams would you love to see for your kids? I loved my experience being a student in North Clackamas School District. In fact, it was my experience as a student in this district that inspired me to become a teacher. I loved outdoor school, and then I was a camp counselor for outdoor school. So these are some fond memories I have. I um, you know, wasn't a top student, but I did go on to college and got my teaching degree. My children, I believe, had some amazing teachers in North Clackamas. That's what I want to really get across is that there are so many really good teachers, but they are being kind of silenced if they step out of line or have any other opinions. They, you know, are really um, silenced. Then the curriculum changes. There's also the testing standards. They, they've changed. They used to have oaks for the standardized testing which was an organ-based assessment. Now they have this smarter balance, which costs our state millions and millions of dollars more than the Oaks testing did. And it seems like teachers are stressed out and having to teach to the test more rather than focusing on their own class learning their content. Having friends and relatives in the public school system, you've certainly echoed what all of these teachers have said. We're not teaching to teach. We're teaching for the test. Yep. And I don't know about you, but for me growing up, if it was about the test, it was kind of in one ear and out the other. And I didn't grow or truly learn from that. And I don't think that's a good way to educate our kids. Yeah. Where's the love of learning? When I was a teacher, it was trying to, you're trying to create lifelong learners that love to learn and that it's engaging and they're enthusiastic about it. And you have to make school fun. It's not always fun, but it can be fun. And they're taking a lot of the fun out of it with not only the teaching to the test, but then also pushing these really heavy, controversial topics on our kids that are not prepared to deal with all of this pressure, whether it's about race issues, sex issues, gender issues, climate change issues, the politics. It's just an awful lot to put on their shoulders. So do you have any event or question and answer sessions that people can come meet you at, Tara Nelson and Angela Peterson? Yes, we would like to have people come and meet us. Four of us are running for the school district. And who are the others? And the others are Amy Reiner, and then we have Courtney Swersbin. And um, please look for them in your voters' pamphlets that should be arriving soon. We'll be at Joe's Saloon on Friday night, April 14th from 6 to 8. And then we will be at Ruzo's Retreat in Damascus from 4 to 8. And that would be Saturday, April 15th. Thank you so much again, Concerned Christian Parents, Angela Peterson and Tara Nelson. Check out the website, Angela4NCSD.com. That's Angela, F-O-R-N-C-S-D.com, as in North Clackamas School District. Mm-hmm. And I'll make sure to link that to the Difference Makers page at TrueTalk800.com. I want to thank Tara Nelson and Angela Peterson for sharing their concerns. Let's hear more from Angela and Tara next on Difference Makers.
You're listening to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee. And don't forget to come out and vote for your local school board. Next election is Tuesday, May 16th. Our very special guests are running for the North Clackamas School District Board. We have Taryn Nelson and Angela Peterson, Christian moms in our neighborhood. So I want to thank you for taking the time to stop by and to share your joys as well as your concerns. Can you tell us about budgets and numbers as parents of children in the North Clackamas area? Are you satisfied with what you see, especially because you both grew up here? You went to the schools here. So... As parents, as adults today, what are your observations and thoughts? Well, we are gathering some information in our research. We have found that our school district, the North Clackamas School District, is spending approximately $8,000 more than the average school district is already paying per student. We're somewhere around the 20000 per student mark per student. And yet our literacy rates and our mathematical competency rates are below the state average. So I have some really great concerns about the level of the quality of education North Clackamas School District kids are receiving here, especially at that exorbitant cost. And so that is a concern. Interesting observations, Angela Peterson, especially because you used to work as a teacher in this school district. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm unfamiliar with the actual boundaries of North Clackamas School District. Would you call yourself a more affluent area when it comes to money, socioeconomically? The district itself is very, very diverse as far as socioeconomics. You have the upper upper class and you have also a lot of actual homeless students, kids that are really struggling families. So we have the whole spectrum there. And we need to be able to meet the needs of all of those kids. Well, it certainly seems like that's a lot of extra money to spend. And if you had results that at least were average, would you be satisfied with something like that, Tara Nelson? Definitely, because that money can be used in other areas, not just administration patting themselves on the back. There could be more incentive for programs more volunteerism, just create more opportunity, put the money where it needs to be to have that outcome, going back to the basic education that our children are falling behind in the state of Oregon. Once they graduate, sadly, they're not competing because they are so below that level. To Tara's point, there were concerns, you know, a lot of parents have as their kids went off to college this last couple years, that these kids are sometimes going out of state and they're comparing our kids are trying to compete or keep up with kids from other states that weren't shut down as long as ours or were using their money better and, and getting curriculum that was more research based that produced more academic excellence. And our kids are, we feel, not adequately prepared as kids from other states and or other districts. So let's spitball Angela Peterson and Tara Nelson. Let's throw some stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Mm -hmm. So what ideas do you have to improve the education? Well, I want to know where the money is being spent, first and foremost. What I'm seeing is a lot of hiring of administrative positions that seem to be kind of fluff positions. You know, you have somebody making possibly 150000 a year to be a diversity administrator for the district. 
not exactly sure how much that contributes to our kids' success in school. So these are some things I would want to know how the money is being spent. I also have recently discovered that our early literacy curriculum is not highly rated. It is not based in the science of reading. We are not using phonics the way we need to be to produce literate students. And I'm not sure why that is. Like, who's in charge of our curriculum adoption that is not getting us the premier curriculum that is based in brain research to produce literate students? Isn't there a lot of research saying that phonics is essential Absolutely. Versus whole, whole language. Word, whole yep. language. Yes. And so we have this kind of a mishmash of those different techniques. However, our district is currently doing some work to catch up in this area, but it's not enough. And we need to be helping the kids that are in those third, fourth, and fifth grade classes. I think we need to identify the kids that are struggling, and there needs to be tutors. After school, maybe some of the licensed teachers spend three days a week, 45 minutes a shot, working with those kids that they already know what their needs are. Portland Public Schools is actually doing a really good job with that. That's a solid way to address the learning loss that happened with the school closures. So that's something that I would also be advocating for. I wonder if there are people out there that might be interested. Before she passed away, my mom, who was a high school chemistry teacher, She volunteered as, I guess you'd call her a homework Grammy at the local elementary school. She wouldn't do anything for them. She'd kind of sit there while the kids did their homework. And if they had any questions, they could come to her. Right. I wonder if there are any retired or semi-retired educators out there who might just be perfect fits for an after-school program like that. That's a great idea. I think that's something worth looking into um, because there is definitely a need There was never enough tutors available for my high school kiddos when they were struggling in their math classes. Those kids, you know, like Tara was saying, we've both had to hire outside tutors for our kids because they just were not getting the help they needed from the public school system. And we are just fortunate enough to be able to fund that kind of extracurricular tutoring. But what about all these kids that are the most marginalized kids coming from homes that don't have that support? They don't have that option and the public schools are failing them. I love the fact that both of you come from a place of relative affluence that you can afford a tutor here or a tutor there, but you're standing up for those who cannot. So thank you for that, Angela. How about you, Tara Nelson? What's on your dream list? Again, throw some stuff up against the wall and let's see what sticks. Do you have any visions, ideas that you think might really turn the situation around and help these kids get more practically educated. I think one idea, and it would not be reinventing the wheel, going back to that volunteerism, North Clackamas used to have a bus buddy volunteer opportunity. So for those students that maybe had a longer bus ride or a little more hyperactive, after you got certified through the district for training, you would ride on that bus route with those children until you'd be another adult there helping the bus driver. Another program was Lunch Buddies, where those in the community that had that time could come and volunteer during that lunch hour. And when I was a lunch buddy, there was a wait list. So some of these kids are just jumping at the opportunity to have that one-on-one attention, whether it be during playtime, reading time. Mm -hmm. So I would like to see that come back in. Yeah. 
in anything that they can do to make every single student feel seen and cared about. And they really need to make sure that we have maximum classroom sizes. There should be no more than 25 students in our elementary classrooms. I saw a huge problem with that. When my youngest son was a second grader here in the district, he had 32 second graders in the class. It is just not possible to adequately educate and to have every single one of those children be seen when there's that many kids in the classroom. We need to bring our classroom numbers down across the board and get those volunteers in there and get those tutor programs and having the appropriate curriculum that is based in research and that has the data to back it up, that it is effective. So Angela Peterson, when you taught in the North Clackamas School District, what did you teach and what was your greatest classroom size? I'm curious. Okay. I taught fourth grade at Mount Scott Elementary School. And this was a long time ago. This was, I taught there for almost four years. And that was back in like 99, 2000, 2001 when I was there, 2002. But I had fourth graders. That's like my favorite. All the kids are awesome, but fourth grade is amazing. That's your sweet spot. You yeah. Really oh my gosh. And joy for working yes. With the the Oregon Trail age. and. Oh, man, I loved teaching them and seeing them just be so excited about learning long division. Like, I can't believe I can do this. And um, anyway, I had I'd say it was between 27 to 30 kids in my classroom back then. And it was definitely a challenge. But what I loved about back then when we were teaching was that we could do these thematic units and I could have enrichment things for the kids that were always finished early and they couldn't ever say that they were bored or I could, so the smart kids didn't yeah. get done immediately and didn't yeah. get bored and wait to right. go home they, right they were still challenged yeah yeah relative to the rest of the class because that's where they were yeah. academically you were able to invest more into Absolutely. a more advanced student yeah. and not let them get bored well, I, and I feel like I think that the teachers of today, I know that there are so many good teachers that are still doing all of this, but it's just made harder by administrators piling up things like data collection and teaching to the test and things that don't truly impact the students. These teachers need the time to put into developing these really engaging lessons and the time to evaluate their students so they can target and do more individualized instruction. But when numbers are so great when it comes to class, these poor teachers don't have a shot. Oh, my gosh, no. And especially when you add to that the behavior problems that are not being dealt with appropriately, it really is a recipe for not success. (laughs) Well, I love the fact that you obviously love your kids Mm -hmm. and your community and the schools where you yourselves grew up. Right. Enough to make a difference. Yep. So what's the next step for you, Tara Nelson, and for you, Angela Peterson? Well, we are really excited. We are launching our campaigns. We are running to be school board members for the North Clackamas School Board. I'm running for position number seven. I'm running for position one. So what does position one mean, Tara Nelson? It's at large for our district. So the entire district, both west side and east side votes, there's four open board seats. And I want to bring back a non-same think tank. Right now, the past incumbents, current and new opponents, they're all in it together. They're all endorsed by one another. They all have the same brain, if you will. I want to be able to bring 
conversation, transparency, diversity of thought. That is not respected currently in the district. They talk about diversity all the time, but they're only referring to things like skin color, gender, sexual identity, and these sorts of things. We want to do that as well, but we also respect diversity of thought. And I think what Tara is saying is that our current school board members do not respect diversity of thought, and neither do any of our opponents that we're running against in the school board race. Well, congratulations, Mm -hmm. and thanks for the sacrifices that you and your families must be making to run for the school board. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. I think that it's going to be a battle. Our opponents are heavily backed by the teachers' unions, and the teachers' unions are not good for kids. They're not even good for teachers, but a lot of teachers aren't aware of that, and we like for them to look at the alternatives to the teachers' unions because children are not in the best interest of teachers' unions. So you do not want to support anyone endorsed by the teachers' unions. We are proudly not endorsed by the teachers' unions. <laughs> and this from a former teacher yeah. in this school district exactly. to boot. Yep. So what would you say to parents in the North Clackamas School District, Angela Peterson? I would say, please make sure that you look carefully at your voters' pamphlet when it comes to you. Compare us against our opponents, and hopefully you will see that we want to bring back common sense. We want to bring back balance. We are not pushing any kind of an agenda. We want to return academic excellence to our school district. Great points, Angela Peterson. Tara Nelson, how about you? Any closing thoughts you'd like to share with the parents of the North Clackamas School District? The consideration of the needs, privacy, and safety for all of our children, the respect for teachers' rights, and the honor for the authority of parents. Again, those unions have silenced some of our teachers, undermined parental authority, left our children vulnerable to abuse. There's no desire here for a political battle. We just want more balance and wholesome values in the school curriculum. I want to be able to find that respect, student safety, parental authority, and balance in curriculum presented in the North Clackamas School District. Great points, Tara Nelson and Angela Peterson. So many of these topics and questions require more of a conversation. So do you have any event or question and answer sessions that people can come meet you at, Tara Nelson and Angela Peterson? Yes, we would like to have people come and meet us. Four of us are running for the school district. And who are the others? And the others are Amy Reiner, and then we have Courtney Swersbin. And um, please look for them in your voters' pamphlets that should be arriving soon. We'll be at Joe's Saloon on Friday night, April 14th from 6 to 8. And then we will be at Ruzo's Retreat in Damascus from 4 to 8. And that would be Saturday, April 15th. Thank you so much again, Concerned Christian Parents. Angela Peterson and Tara Nelson. Anyone you want to say hi to or send a shout out to, ladies? Angela. I would like to give a shout out to my very supportive husband, John Peterson. He's been my backbone. (laughs) And how about you, Tara Nelson? My shout out would be to Matt Nelson, Ozzy Nelson, and Madeline Nelson. Thanks so much again for what you're doing to stand up for kids in our area. Check out the website, Angela4NCSD.com. That's Angela, F-O-R-N-C-S-D.com, as in North Clackamas School District. Mm-hmm. And I'll make sure to link that to the Difference Makers page Great. at TrueTalk800.com. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers. Mm-hmm.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.